The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Hello, hello. Good morning, Refuge Church. Please find your seat as we start. You guys don't sit, I'm gonna start singing and you don't want to hear me sing. I'm glad you guys really enjoyed a five minute break like I do. And so I'm just gonna give you guys a chance. Turn to someone next to you, tell them we're happy you're here and Jesus loves you. Before I offer uh, the prayers of confession uh, for us this morning, I'm going to give you guys about a minute uh, to offer your own uh, prayers. And so. Dear Heavenly Father, we lower our heads before you, and we confess that we have often forgotten that we are yours. Sometimes we carry our lives as if there was no God, and we fall short of being credible witnesses to you. We ask your forgiveness, and we also ask for your strength. Give us clear minds and open our hearts so we may witness to you in our world. Remind us to be who you will have us to be regardless of what we are doing or who, are, or who we are with. Merciful Lord, we confess that with us there is an abundance of sin, but in you there is fullness of righteousness and abundance of mercy. We are spiritually poor, but you are rich, and in Jesus Christ came to be merciful to the poor. Strengthen our faith and trust in you. We are empty vessels that need to be filled. Fill us. We are weak in faith. Strengthen us. We are cold in love. Warm us and make our hearts fervent for you that our love may go out to one another and into our neighbors. We also lift up the people of Ukraine uh, this morning. Jesus, you hold the whole world in your hands. You are king. And may your kingdom come. Bring your peace, Lord. 
speak to our world leaders and give them wisdom. Be with the people of Ukraine and the ones fleeing. May the neighboring countries be hospitable to them. Look unto the applied. And we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning as we open your word, talk to us, reveal your truth to us, change our hearts, and whatever load that we are carrying this morning, we pray that we can just set it aside and carry your load, which is easy and light. And may we enjoy worshiping you and the fellowship of one another this morning. Thank you for this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we started a new uh, sermon series, and uh, we started, we will be talking about the temptations of Jesus. That is the new sermon series, and the intro for this sermon series is this, how far will you follow Jesus? If you want to follow Jesus, you must be ready for the wilderness, The wilderness is a place for preparation. It is the place you face your greatest temptation. It can be a lonely, scary place, but it is not a place without God because God promises never to leave us or forsake us. God is there, but we must choose his way, the way of a greater affection. When we are presented with the temptation of other option, in this series, we watch Jesus face his great temptation and choose to obey the Father every time. Let's learn from his victory and find victory in our lives today. And so this morning, I will be uh, preaching on the first temptation uh, from Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. But as I was thinking about uh, this first temptation, I had this question in my, ha- in my um, head, and the question was, if I had supernatural powers, how would I choose to use it? And of course, I love the Avengers series. Like Iron Man, that's my man. I, I just love, even though he's arrogant and sometimes he's all about himself, I'm like, Iron Man, that's my man. And the way he uses his powers, that's probably how I use my powers too. Lord, forgive me. (laughs) But if you had supernatural powers, how will you use it? Would you use it for yourself? Because sometimes that will probably be the best option, right? If you are facing a life and death situation, of course you will use it on yourself. Would you use it on the good of others? Well, the Avengers were good at that, right? Always saving the world. Or would you use it for both, like Iron Man? I like to believe there was good in him, and he used it for both. And so last week's sermon, Daniel looked at Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. And in those verses, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. 
And the big lesson from Daniel's sermon last week is be prepared to be tempted. As a Christian, just be prepared. That's what happens. But don't lose heart. God defeated the devil, and if he did, he has given us also the power to defeat Satan. Before we look into the first temptation, I want to define what the word temptation means because we often regard temptation as the deliberate attempt to seduce someone into sin, right? That's how we usually think of temptation. But if we regard temptation simply as an attempt to seduce someone into sin, then that will mean that the Holy Spirit was a partner in the assault on the purity and the goodness of Jesus because the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. But that is not true because God doesn't tempt anyone. The Holy Spirit is part of God, and so the Holy Spirit cannot tempt someone into sin. And so let's not look at temptation that way. Instead, if we replace the word temptation for testing, then it makes more sense because that is how the gospel writers use the word. Temptation is always a testing. It is not meant to make a man fall. It is meant to test him, to try him, so that out of the testing situation, he will come out stronger, finer, and refined like a metal that is tested and tried in fire. And then the temptation story is also the strongest proof that Jesus was conscious of possessing special powers because it will be no temptation to an ordinary person to change stones into bread unless his mind was on hitch. If I gave Bob my phone right now and said, turn this phone into bread, how is that a temptation to Bob? He doesn't, well, at least we know you don't have any supernatural powers, right? <laughs> he doesn't, right? But because Jesus possessed supernatural powers, it made sense that the devil will tempt him that way. And so let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And so from verses 2, we are told that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I can't even imagine what it will feel like to fast for a week. I remember uh, growing up, you know, like my mom, my mom is the most prayer warrior that I've ever met in my life. But even when we were young, she will always force us to fast. And we will fast, you know, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I'm like, I'm 10, 11. It's like, that's like torture. But I remember, and sometimes I won't even make it. Like, I'll sneak in water. I'm like, I'm not old enough to do distance. It's like, why will anyone want to torture themselves? But I remember after the fasting, it's like, I just want food. I was excited for food, and I wanted to eat anything that was in front of me. And so can you imagine fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? And at this point, surely Jesus must be really hungry. 
But hunger not only makes us physically weak, but it also tends to weaken our moral and spiritual resistance. Because when we are tired, hungry, or sick, we are usually less concerned about other needs and dangers, and we just want to satisfy our immediate desire right now. We are usually vulnerable in those situations. And that's when the coward, Satan, attacks. Satan usually attacks most fiercely in such times of weakness and unpreparedness. Jesus is vulnerable right now, and the devil seeks to capitalize on it. And so Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God, that's how he starts. If you are the son of God, The devil's first approach to Jesus has also been his first approach to Eve, to cast doubt on God's word. He asked Eve, indeed, has God said you will not eat from any tree of the garden? From Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. He was causing her to question God's commands. And his first word for Jesus, if you are the son of God, assume that Jesus is indeed the divine son of God whom Jesus had proclaimed at his baptism. You, look, uh, you start uh, reading the book of Luke. It's all about people prophesying about the coming of Jesus. And then during, God's, during Jesus' baptism, God reveals himself. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The devil knew that, and yet he wanted to question Jesus on that because Satan was hoping to persuade Jesus to demonstrate his power and to verify that it was real. If you think you are the son of God, show me, prove it. In the moment of Jesus' baptism, he received assurance equipment to go on. And therefore, one decision was placed on Jesus. Because he is the Son of God, because he possessed all these powers, how was he going to use it? He knew what his task was. He knew what he had to come into the world to do. He was the Messiah, the chosen one. He must bring men into the kingdom of God. And the immediate question was, how was he going to do that? How was he about to set up, how was he to set about this task? What method was he going to use? It is to this question that Jesus found his answer in the temptation story. And for Jesus, this decision was even more difficult because the people had a picture of what they wanted their Messiah to be. Because the Messiah was a triumphant liberator of the Jewish people, the conqueror of Rome, the victorious Lord over all the earth. And so this made it even more difficult for Jesus. And the choice before Jesus was whether he was going to fit himself into the picture of a Messiah that the people wanted, or he will define what kind of Messiah that he wanted to be. This was what he was faced with, with this temptation. Was he going to be a popular messiah or find a way that was his own? 
The first temptation in the wilderness was for Jesus to act against God's plan and to command that these stones become bread. This temptation involved a great deal more than Jesus satisfying his hunger. I mean, Satan wasn't trying to help. If he was trying to help, he would have just brought food to Jesus, right? But that's not what he was doing. And after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he certainly was hungry and thirsty. And Jesus had every right to turn that stone into bread. When you're hungry and you have power, use it for food. I probably will have done the same. Thank God I'm not Jesus. And you guys should be lucky I'm not Jesus. So what was Satan asking Jesus to do? The most obvious part of the temptation was for Jesus to satisfy his physical needs by miraculous means. He had the power, so just change his stones into bread. But here is the deeper temptation. The deeper temptation was Satan's appeal to Jesus' right as the Son of God. The deeper temptation was Satan's appeal to Jesus as the Son of God. What Satan seems to say is, should you starve in the wilderness if you are really the Son of God? How could the Father allow his Son to go hungry when he provided manna for the rebellious children of Israelite in the wilderness? If God had let his people die in the wilderness, how could his plan of redemption have been fulfilled, and if he lets you die in the wilderness through hunger, how can you fulfill your divine mission on his behalf? And these are legitimate questions. And as Christians, we are faced with those questions all the time. If your God is who he says he is, why is there suffering in the world? If God loves the people of Ukraine, why will he allow one crazy man to attack a country and cause so much pain and disaster, make millions flee their home? As Christians, we are faced with questions like that, and this was what Jesus was faced with. The purpose of the temptation was not simply for Jesus to satisfy his physical need, but to suggest that he being hungry was incompatible with his being the Son of God. How can the Son of God go hungry? That doesn't make sense. There's nothing logical about that. But Jesus was being tempted to doubt the Father's words, the Father's love, and the Father's provision for him. He had every right, Satan suggested, to use his own divine power to supply what the Father had not given him. The son certainly was too important and too dignified to have to endure such hardship and discomfort. And this almost sounds like prosperity gospel. Every time I listen to my homeboy, Joe Austin, I'm like, oh, man. Because it's basically, if you're a Christian, your life should be great. No suffering, no cancer, no pain, no war. This is what Jesus is presented with. If you are the son of God, you shouldn't go hungry. But we know that's not true. Just think about the kind of life that Jesus lived up to this moment, right? He had been born in a stable. 
None of us here was born in a stable, right? So his birth started in a difficult situation. And then he had to spend 30 years in an obscure family in a place called Galilee that nobody knew about. And even when he was born, he had to flee to Egypt because they wanted to kill him. And then the worst of all, he gave up his divineness and became human. This was Jesus' life. And so, of course, Jesus had suffered enough. And then now he's in the wilderness where he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights with no food to eat. Like everything Satan was saying made sense. It's like, come on, man. You've had enough pain and suffering. Do something to alleviate that. Jesus had a hard life already, and he had every right to change those stones into bread, to satisfy his hunger. But also, the first temptation in the wilderness also implied the essential mocking taunt that the crowd made up at the crucifixion. Remember what they said? If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Save yourself. But it also included the wicked attempt to cause the second Adam to fail where the first Adam had failed in relation to food. Satan wanted Jesus Christ to fail because of bread, just as Adam had failed because of fruit. But how will Jesus respond? Jesus, in his humility and righteousness, answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. You know, Jesus, I mean, he's Jesus, right? Because when I was reading this passage, I was just putting myself in that situation. Like, 30 days of fasting, like being thirsty and hungry and weak, and your answer to be, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone when you need the bread right now the most. And yet that is not the response you choose. Instead, Jesus chose a godly response, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus appealed to the devil through God's word. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Jesus declared that we are better off to depend and obey on God, even when the suffering is intense. We are better off waiting on his provision. Moses had originally said those words to Israel as he recounted to her the great love and blessing God had bestowed on her during her own wilderness experience. I mean, the Israelites whined about everything, and yet God was faithful, even when they were faithless. They cried about water, cried about food. God was always there to provide what they needed. That's what Jesus was saying. It is better to depend on God's provision than for me to depend on my powers to change the stones into bread. 
God's people are never justified in complaining and worrying about their needs. Because if we live by faith in him and obedience to his words, we will never lack anything. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's a promise that we have. Also, Jesus tells us God knows what we need even before we ask him. God knew the pain that Jesus was going through after the 40 days of fasting. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Depend on God. Seek his kingdom because they are the most important things. We are always better off to obey God and to trust in his gracious sustenance than to provide for ourselves impatiently and selfishly in the way that disobeys or compromises God's words. Grabbing or demanding what we think or what we deserve is rebellion against God. And so to try to circumvent or modify God's will, it's unfaithful and fleshy because it is based on the false assumption that our physical well-being is the most crucial need without which we cannot exist. But Jesus is saying that's not true. Jesus contradicts this assumption. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because it is not food, Jesus says, that is the necessary part of life. The creative, energizing, and sustaining power of God is the only real source of man's existence. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So what lessons do we learn from these temptations? The first one is spend time with God and know his word. Spend time with God and know his word. Jesus used the word to rebuff the lie that Satan was telling him. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have to prove himself to Satan. And he didn't have to find a fancy answer to disprove what Satan was trying to tell him. He just used the word. Man shall not live by bread alone. And so let's spend time with God and know his word so that when the enemy attacks, which he will, we'll be ready to defend ourselves with the word of God. The second lesson we learn from this is be prepared to be tempted, especially after a victory. Be prepared to be tempted, especially after a victory. What was Jesus' victory before the temptation? His baptism. In his baptism, God revealed himself, and he spoke, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God was proud of Jesus God was giving Jesus his blessing to start his mission. And right after that, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be betrayed. And so you might be on a spiritual high in your life right now. Don't sleep off. Because Satan usually attacks 
when everything in our life is going well. So be prepared, especially after a victory. The third is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't alone fighting all the battles. The Holy Spirit was in him, and that was how he was able to conquer Satan. And then lastly, be ready for attacks, and a lot of attacks, because the devil is running like a roaring lion, trying to find God's children so that they can stumble. And so be ready, be alert. Watch and pray. In conclusion, I love this story about a little girl. This little girl was asked if Satan ever tempted her, and she replied, oh yes. But when he knocks at the door of my heart, she says, I pray, Lord, please go to the door for me. What happens then, she was asked, oh, everything turns out all right. Because when Satan sees Jesus, he runs away every time. In her simple faith, that little girl realized that even the strongest Christian is no match for the devil. And so what better way to invite Jesus to fight your own battle than you trying to do it? That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. F.B. Myers, who was a a theologian and a contemporary of D.L. Moody says this, there is only one way by which the tempter can be met. He laughs at our good uh, resolution and ridicules the pledges with which we fortify ourselves. Satan fears only one, he who in the hour of greatest weakness defeated him and who now has been raised far above all principalities and powers to deliver frail and tempted souls. Christ conquered the prince of this world in the days of his flesh and is prepared to do as much again for each of us if we seek his aid. We don't have to fight alone. That's the good news. God is there to fight our battles with us. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you were tempted in every way that we are, and yet you came out victorious. Thank you that we are encouraged by stories like this in scripture. Thank you for defeating Satan and thank you for continuing to defeat him for us today. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray as we are tempted every day in our walk with you that we will seek you, that we won't try to fight the enemy on our own that we will invite the Holy Spirit into our heart to give us the wisdom and the power to fight those temptations. And so help us, Lord. Thank you for this, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. As the singing team uh, comes forward, I want to invite you guys to take communion uh, 
with us this morning. Every Sunday we take communion to remember how Jesus defeated Satan for us. You know, Jesus broke his body, broke the bread, and said, this is my body that will be broken for you. When you eat this, remember my body. And he took a glass of wine and said, this is my blood that I will spill for you. When you drink this, remember my blood, the blood that I shed on the cross for your sins. That same blood defeated Satan for us. And so we take communion to remember that. And so there will be people in the back. And so examine your heart this morning. And if you need prayers, Joe will be back there offering uh, prayers for anyone who needs it. And please take advantage of that. We are here for you. We go through this walk together. That's why we gather here this morning. And so... Please take communion, and if you need prayers, Joe will be back there uh, praying for you.